In this episode, we dive into taxes and how to set your business up for financial success. I'm joined by the one and only Micah Frame, where we discuss topics such as when should you set up an LLC or an S-Corp for your business and why it's important to work with a CPA who actually understands your online business. Now, Micah will also share his tips for creating a strong foundation and setting your business on the path to prosperity and increased profits. Now, by the end of this podcast, you should be better informed on how to organize and set your business up around things like taxes, accounting, and bookkeeping. So let's get after it. Welcome to episode number 150 of the Private Labeler Show. I am your host, Nick Landowski, and I'm making it my mission to help 1,000 people quit their jobs to start an e-commerce business using the power of Amazon. Now, I am super pumped for yet another episode. Glad that you guys are here. And I hope you guys are all happy and healthy right now and crushing it in your business and in your personal life. Hopefully, you're taking lots of action and just making it happen. So I also wanted just to give you guys a quick thank you for all the love and the support the podcast has been getting. Now, every email that I get from you guys or DM or review or comment or whatever, all that really means the world to me. So thank you for that. Now, if you guys want to show some love for the podcast and the show, please leave a review on iTunes, okay? That would really help me out and mean a lot. So also, if you guys are listening right now on YouTube, what's up, YouTubers? Please subscribe to the show and hit that notifications button. Thank you in advance for that. And something I wanted to share real quick before we dive into today's episode. I don't know if you guys seen this, but I did post this news item from Amazon in our Facebook group. And if you're not yet a member of our Facebook group, like what are you doing with your life? You should definitely get joined up quickly. So um, Amazon Prime Day, according to Amazon, it looks like September now is going to be the month where Prime Day kind of kicks off. So hopefully that's the case. Um, it's better than nothing. I'm glad they didn't cancel it outright. So just a little heads up on that. That's not for a few more months. So that gives you plenty of time to prepare and plan for inventory and things like that. So I just thought I would throw that out there. Prime day. It looks like it's happening now sometime in September. And I am super, super excited about that. And you guys should be as well because, uh, I like money and I like, uh, I like Amazon. So prime day really, uh, allows us to make a lot of money. So that's super cool. Check that out anyways. So let's get after it. In a second, I'm going to be joined by Micah Frame. Now, Micah is a CPA that specializes in working with online entrepreneurs and e-commerce sellers such as ourselves, and he's going to dive into and answer a lot of our common questions that we might have when it comes to things like taxes, accounting, just all things related to our business. And as you guys know, taxes and accounting, that's definitely a topic that scares the crap out of most sellers. So that's why I really wanted to have someone such as Micah come on to the show to talk to us about that kind of stuff so you can kind of let us know like what we need to know and what we need to do. Now, if you guys want to maximize your profits and hopefully slash your taxes, then this is going to be the podcast for you. And make sure you guys listen to the very end so you don't miss anything, okay? There might be a nugget that really helps you out and helps improve your business, so you want to listen to the very, very end. And as usual, I'll give you guys some of my key takeaways the very end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And while you're listening to this podcast, if you guys want to head over to a, a URL I'm going to give you here, go over to callframe.com. That's call, C-A-L-L, 
and F-R-A-I-M.com, callframe.com. Um, you're going to get a free case study that Micah put together for everybody today, and that'll be a nice companion piece to the content that we talk about in today's episode. So check that out. If you're driving or whatever, I'll link that up in the show notes. For any links such as that or any other important information, just go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash 150. Okay, so let's get after it. Here's my conversation with Micah Frame. Hey, everybody, please welcome the one and only Micah Frame to the show. Welcome, Micah. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Pumped to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. So uh, give us your commercial, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you are so awesome. I'm awesome because hardly any CPAs understand online taxes and the way that online business, e-com businesses work. So we're one of the few specialists in the space who get how your business works so we can advise you properly on your taxes. Okay. So you're a numbers guy, CPA. Um, from what I understand, you just had a child. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. I am next, next level tired right now. Yes, we were just talking. So you're very, very tired right now. Very grateful that you uh, are awake for this podcast here to share some knowledge. Uh, what's, the, what's the baby's name? Fennec. Fennec, very like cool. Like the fox. And is that your first kid? First baby, little girl. All right, congrats, man. That is amazing. Thanks, so um, we are going to dive into some fun stuff today to help the listeners out with their questions in regards to taxes. We're going to be talking about LLCs and just bookkeeping, things like that. We're going to keep things very, very practical for yeah. everybody today and give you exactly what you need to know. So that way you have the knowledge and the know-how to set your business up for success. So Micah, you obviously work with a lot of entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because you understand our community. And um, based on people that you have worked with, based on your clients that you've been working with, like when they come to you, what are, the, what are some of like the common mistakes that you see sellers making in their businesses when it relates to things like accounting, bookkeeping, taxes, structure, that kind of stuff? Um, I think this is true for a lot of online businesses, e-com included, where given the fact that it doesn't take a huge amount of money to get started typically, you can theoretically just run your business with a laptop, people won't necessarily take it the most seriously when it comes to the things you just mentioned, legal setup in terms of keeping track of their books, in terms of tax planning, all that, that kind of gets pushed very much to the side. And the problem with that ends up being is that if you don't take that seriously from the beginning and have a good foundation with how you set up the business, as you actually do start to grow and make money, then you're, you're playing catch up and it's a lot more expensive and a lot more costly trying to fix those mistakes and get set up properly later. So essentially just structure an organization. Somebody yeah. probably comes to you and they really have no systems in place. They're not tracking anything. They right. kind of go, I know I need to be doing something. I know I need to be you know, figuring this out or that out or in compliance with this. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. Like, um, you know, if you crack open your laptop and, and decide to start a, let's say Amazon business. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what you can do in, a, in your underwear and in your 
spare time. So I guess maybe it doesn't feel like a real business at that time versus like opening up like a brick and mortar store or like um, a brick and mortar yeah. business of some sorts where that feels much more legitimate. So therefore you're going to be in compliance with a lot of things. So what you're saying is that people right off the bat um, kind of delay in getting a proper foundation in terms of right. their books and their organization, right? Yeah. Even for kind of side businesses, if someone has a, you know, they're starting, they're going to have a hair salon and they're going to work part time at it. Given the fact that they have a location they're getting, they're getting their business license, they're setting up an LLC or a corporation, if it makes sense. They're getting all their ducks in a row. They're, tra they're tracking the expenses, getting separate bank accounts, all this stuff. When it starts online, there's, in our experience at least, there's always kind of a significant lag for people doing that. Okay. So advice to the listeners out there, the sooner, the better for your business, whether you're selling on eBay, Amazon, whatever it is, Shopify, uh, try to get organized sooner rather than later, because, you know, trying to play catch up way down the line is going to be exhausting. Like you're just going to, you're going to go crazy. So I think that's just really solid advice there to try to avoid putting off what you, what's the inevitable, you need to get organized, makes things so much easier. So here's some common questions, Micah, that I see often in the community, whether it be on like Facebook forums or YouTube comments sections, or maybe on a Reddit forum, uh, as it pertains to e-commerce and things like that. Yeah. People often ask, especially when you're first starting out, they, they want to know about LLCs mm -hmm. and they want to know like, do I need one? And if so, when should I get them? or get one yeah. and, uh, or is it okay just to start off as a sole proprietor? So could you kind of just expound on that as far as like, what, what's the real deal there? What do people need to know about that? For most people, I would recommend you get an LLC and I'd recommend you do it immediately. And the reason being is that you could theoretically start any of these things as a sole proprietor. Uh, there's a couple and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but there's no real difference a lot of times for when you're first starting out tax-wise an LLC versus a sole proprietorship. However, all those foundational things, if you start as a sole proprietor, you're going to have to undo them later on. Because if you get the LLC set up, then you should get your own EIN, your employer identification number, your tax ID for that LLC. And then when you register for sales tax, that will be tied to it. Your bank account will be tied to it. Your registration with eBay, PayPal, Amazon, all those things is going to be tied to that number. If you just say, you know, I don't know if this is going to work or not. I, I don't know if I'm going to do this. I'm just going to use my social, be a sole proprietor. When you do start making money and when it becomes advantageous to possibly convert to a different tax structure later on, if you've got the LLC, and you want to become, let's say, an S-Corp, which we can talk about that in a little bit. Let's say you want to do that. We have to send in a two-page form to the IRS, and that's it. If you start as a sole proprietor, you have to redo all the stuff you've already done or undo it. it you're just duplicating this insane amount of effort if you decide to take you know, sort of air quotes here the easy way out by not setting up the LLC. So in theory, yes, you could start out as a sole proprietor. It, it, you know, it's totally possible to obviously get that Amazon account going and, and start that way. But I think if I think what you're saying is 
if you kind of, if you're listening to this and you know that, Hey, I'm going to really make a go at this. I'm going to create this amazing e-commerce business. Best just to get it out the way, get the LLC done because it will make things a little bit easier um, as you progress and grow your business. Is that just basically what we're. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And depending on how quickly you grow it, let's say you end up with Nexus in different States for sales tax. All of your sales tax numbers are tied to your LLC or your sole proprietor. It's tied to the, the entity you have. So if you, if you are successful and grow quickly, the number of things, the branches of things that you're going to have to fix later on just explode. So just do the LLC. You're going to be so much happier later on if you do. And it's relatively easy to get an LLC depending. I mean, is there yeah. any, is there any benefit, you know, people go to want to go to like uh, get an LLC in different States or anything like that. Is it just recommended to just get in your home state and call it a day or <laughs> that's what I always say, because there will always be these marketing campaigns for right now. Nevada LLCs are pretty hot and it was always Del- Delaware corporation. Yeah. That's back what I grew up in the on. day. I think, um, I think even Wisconsin right now supposedly has some, some benefits, but there's no, what people fail to realize is that if you're doing things in compliance, even if you set up your entity in some weird state, you're still going to have to register it in your home state where you're actually operating. So you're just, to me, it's just duplicating a lot of efforts. And if you're actually in compliance, you can't, you're not avoiding any taxes. You're not avoid, you're, you're not actually generating benefit. You're generating more work. Okay. Makes sense. And then besides the points you mentioned, uh, from, for just being, it just being easier in the long run. Uh, I know early on, there really isn't a whole lot of other benefit between sole proprietor and LLC other than, um, just protections in terms of liability. But other than that, I think as far as like the tax structure and all that, it's a, a lot of cases it'll be treated as a disregarded entity anyways, for yeah. the most part, unless you set it up differently. But so as far as like early on, yeah, you know, not that big of a deal, but um, which we can transition to then let's say your business starts growing and you're mm-hmm. starting to make some significant money. Then you may want to think about where you're talking about like a, like an S corp of some sorts, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, why people, given that there's not this immediate benefit, I think that's why there will be this delay. But yeah, so if you start actually making real money, let's say you make a hundred grand profit in your business and you've got it set up as a sole proprietorship, every dime of that is going to be subject to what they call self-employment tax, which is the employer and the employee halves of Social Security and Medicare. So if you're an employee, your employer pays half of it, you pay half of it. Well, when you're self-employed, you get the privilege of paying both sides. So you're a sole proprietor, you make a hundred grand, you're going to lose $15,300 right off the bat immediately before you even pay income tax. So what we do with the S corp, which LLCs can choose to be taxed as S corps. You don't have to set up a totally different entity. It's just a little, it's a form we send into the IRS. We give you the lowest salary that we think we can reasonably justify for you. So let's say we give somebody a $50,000 salary, that $50,000 salary still subject to social security and Medicare, but whatever profit is left over after that salary, you're not paying social security and Medicare on it. So in this example, we're cutting that social security and Medicare number in half. 
Okay. So yeah, that's where, you know, if you start growing, let's say year two, you're over that mm-hmm. six figure mark in terms of profit, then uh, you're going to, you're not going to want to just give up that 15% for self-employment oh, yeah. tax, the full amount. So therefore you might as well structure a little differently. Now, can you, um, I forget, like for the S corps, is that something that has to start at the beginning of the year or can you start that at any time throughout the year? Let's just say it's July and I'm like, you know what? My business is really growing. I want to start converting things. I want to get with my CPA and, uh, you know, start working things as an S corp for these reasons that we're talking about here. Yeah. Is there a time, time structure as far as like how, how and when to do that? The deadline for it is March 15th of the year that you want to elect it. So let's say in 2020, you, you wanted to do it for the 2020 tax year. You should have done that by March 15th of 2020. However, you can request late, what they call late election relief from the IRS. So when you're requesting S-Corp status, you can put in here, yes, this is late, but I was not aware of the deadline. And you can request relief under certain revenue procedures. The IRS could always deny that. It's pretty rare that they do. Okay. So you, you should do it by the deadline, obviously, because that's, the most compliant way to do it. And also you want to get set up on payroll as soon as you can. Once you go S corp, there's good reasons to do it on time, but they'll off very often allow you to do it late. Uh, there are other things that let's say somebody's listening to this right now and you know, they're starting to make some significant money and they're thinking about converting to that S corp because it sounds good for the based on the things we're talking about. Are there other things that they need to be aware of? Are there other disadvantages or maybe other big benefits that uh, they need to be completely fully aware of? For the average person, there aren't any real disadvantages, but S corps are more limiting you can only have an S corp up to a hundred shareholders. Okay. For most of us, that doesn't make a difference, but occasionally it does. You can't have different classes of stock versus for C corps or different things. You can have non-voting owners. You can't do that with an S corp and S corps. There's also limitations on who can own them. You can't have, if you want to have another S corp own it, it has to own it a hundred percent. Typically their tr- partnerships can't own S corps. Typically they want it to be disregard entities or individuals and occasionally trust in the States, but that's rare. So there are structural limitations to it, but I would say for 99% of situations and people that those aren't really coming yeah most in. people listening to this aren't gonna that's not really gonna matter right. for most people yeah. yeah so okay that just makes sense you know I'm, it's just uh something i think people would want to think about yes there's uh, savings wise you know to structure your business that way in terms of not giving the government so much money mm-hmm. which last i checked uh is important <laughs> but uh here here are a few other things so i i know that gets asked a lot so at what point should sellers start to separate like their bank accounts out? I know that's a pretty basic question, but I know is your answer going to be the sooner the better or, you know, or it's immediately because there's a couple different reasons. One is that you mentioned the liability shielding that you'd get with an LLC, which is again, I recommend you set the LLC immediately. If you've got this commingling of funds and you don't have a clean separation between where you start and where the business starts, then it's easier to, the way they say, pierce the veil and try and go after you personally. And in an e-com business, there's probably limited liability, but that is, that is one concern. 
the other thing is just ease of tracking because if you are running everything through your personal bank account the chances of there being errors missed expenses all that stuff goes up exponentially because if if you have everything cleanly separated and you're able to do a bank reconciliation then you're not going to miss anything okay so organization huge so yeah try to get that separated as soon as possible and the same thing too with uh like credit cards as an example so naturally for any business you're going to have you know a ton of expenses going on credit cards and um i would just recommend everybody like the sooner you can get a business credit card do that again it just helps with organization putting all of your e-commerce and business expenses just on that one credit card again, just keeps it all separate. And on top of that too, um, I actually have it on my resources page for you guys listening out there. Uh, I, I would recommend a business credit card, assuming you can get one, you know, obviously they have to check credit and things like that, but there's a lot of cool, cool advantages to having a business credit card, putting on all the expenses on there. There's a lot of rewards and perks and things like that. Uh, I personally have been using chase for a while, like their, their business credit card and, uh, the amount of rewards and points and things like that, that you get are, are, are amazing. So as an example, if people aren't familiar, so we do a lot of ad spend in e-commerce. So let's like, like Facebook ads, Google ads, things like that. Uh, with a lot of the business credit cards out there, especially the one that I'm using with Chase, you get like triple the reward points back for certain expenditures like that on marketing and, and all this and that. And on top of that, if uh, you guys aren't doing this, if you're listening, obviously you're probably spending a lot of money on Amazon's pay-per-click platform. Um, one of the options that they have there when you first start out is for them to deduct that money that you're spending on your ad spend right out of your Amazon account, or you can put it on a credit card. So I would always put it on a credit card because you're going to rack up some ridiculous points. So, uh, just so you guys are aware, like I haven't just based off my business stuff alone, just with Amazon, I haven't bought a plane ticket in forever out of my own money. I haven't, you know, any vacations, all that stuff, expenditures, it all generally comes from, having that business credit card because some of the rewards and perks that you get are really, really sweet. And uh, I would just definitely recommend you guys check that out. Again, it keeps it separate, keeps it organized, but just the amount of money that you're going to rack up over time as your business grows, um, you can really take advantage of some of these really cool business credit card programs. So I know that's just like a little plug there for, for Chase. Use whoever you want. It doesn't matter, but just look at their reward structure and, um, uh, if you're a business owner, yeah, get set up with that right away. I'm not sure if you can do that with a regular social security or if you need like an LLC or EIN. I, I, I have no idea how that exactly works. Um, I've always had the LLC. So I would just say work on that as soon as possible. So I don't, I don't, I would imagine Micah, you, you got that going on too with all your reward points. Oh, and Oh, absolutely. Um, the one that we have, I think it's the spark with capital one. It's just, uh, and this will change by the time someone listens to this, but it's like a hundred bucks a year annual fee and it's straight 2% cash spend. So it's not always the most optimal. Like you're saying certain things you're spending on, you're getting a way higher amount, but even that 2% on anything you swipe the card on really adds up super quickly. Yeah. So for you guys listening out there, especially if you're just getting started, uh, you're going to, you're going to obviously use that card in your business for a lot of things. So like all the software that you're using to operate your business, the monthly fees for that, or your internet, like any sort of business expense, your, your ad spend it's as your business grows, your expenses are obviously going to grow with it. And, uh, 
you need to keep that separated, but at the same time, get rewarded for it. So look at, look into some of those programs. They do vary. I know for some of the chase ones, as an example, just for signing up, if you get approved, you get a huge amount of rewards, like right off the bat. It's pretty ridiculous. So I know a little side plug there, um, for that, uh, for that stuff there. So I just wanted to throw that out there just to give you guys a little, little tip if you're not all over that. Um, and, and speaking of software, Mike, uh, is there any software that being in this industry of e-commerce, Amazon, kind of seeing what, what's good, what's not good, is there any software out there that you recommend for sellers in terms of like the accounting stuff or keeping track of their business or with bookkeeping? Obviously, everybody knows like QuickBooks yeah. and things like that, but is there anything that you really like that you'd recommend? For Amazon sellers specifically, once, you're make, once you've got a couple products, once you're doing okay what i really like is a combo of zero and a2x okay and you know zero is basically like a quickbooks online or freshbook or, or any of it it's just a basic cloud-based accounting platform but what is cool about a2x is that it goes in and pulls all those sort of phantom expenses that you have from your seller central it it's reconciles that with the deposits you get from amazon like just as an example, let's say you get a thousand dollar deposit from Amazon, a normal bookkeeping software is going to think, okay, you had a thousand dollars in revenue, but as any Amazon seller knows, you might've had $5,000 worth of sales, but then you've got all these associated Amazon fees that aren't being captured. So what A2X does is it pulls that in to give you really good and clean reports in your actual zero report. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, if you were just to go in Seller Central and, and Amazon and our accounts and our dashboard and just print up their, the financials from your sales, they would show um, essentially just revenue or just the payouts to you, but that doesn't factor in all the other stuff. So, you know, on paper, it looks like, hey, I sold $2 million worth of stuff or, you know, that's what the deposits were or whatever. But yeah, once you extract all the, the fees and there's a, I know with Amazon, there's so many little hidden things and there's, there's mm -hmm. just it's not very cut and dry. So yeah, you just kind of need software to extract and figure that out because nobody's going to want to go through all those reports manually. It just, you'll go crazy because there's just a lot of weird things going on with, especially with like returns and damaged product and just a lot of things that if you, if you are not keeping track over, you're trying to do manually, you're going to go crazy. And yeah, the, the zero and the, was it the A2X I know is pretty popular and that's pretty friendly for CPAs, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, it's helpful for us when we're doing any analysis or doing your tax returns. It's super helpful for the sellers too, because that's giving you data and information reports to, to really track your KPIs. And if you don't have something that's assisting you to, to pull that, actually looking at your metrics is a lot harder. Gotcha. So, um, I want to talk about deductions here for a second as a online business owner, uh, online entrepreneur, let's say Amazon seller, eBay, Shopify. Uh, what are some things like, let's say you're just starting out in your business. What are some things that people can deduct that maybe you see often that they don't even realize that they're not even keeping track of or not even understanding that, Hey, I can deduct all, you know, this and that and X, Y, Z. And what, what do you see common mistakes when it comes to deductions? Yeah. What we this sounds basic, but what we typically find is that people do a good job of tracking the things that you know, the additional expenses they're having. 
they're not going to forget, okay, I bought a bunch of inventory this month or I had to get a new software or whatever. What they'll kind of forget are the things that they may have already been spending money on already. So you can take a business percentage of your cell phone bill or your home internet bill or your, your home phone bill. If you're making trips around town, you're able to deduct business mileage for that. And that for was 58 cents a mile last year, which can add up pretty quickly. If you, ha if you have to buy a new computer, maybe you want a new computer anyway, but especially if you're operating a home-based business, then the chances of you not primarily using that for your business are, are really, really slim. So that's what we'll kind of find is, and this is more helpful in the early days than it is in the, the later days, just when we're just talking about scale. But when people are first starting out, they'll miss somewhere between usually two to $10,000 worth of kind of small deductions like that on things that don't seem like a lot at the beginning. And in isolation, they don't seem like a lot, but they really start to add up, which again, if you're able to find 10 grand of additional deductions in a year, that's pretty significant. Yeah, I know the, uh, I, I also sell on Shopify and I have to make a lot of miscellaneous trips to the post office. Mm -hmm. uh, just, right. I know just things I need to get out real quick or whatever. And uh, I'm there quite a bit. So I keep track of that mileage. And Absolutely. obviously that, that adds up because you think it almost oh, only like three miles down the road, who cares? But then over a course of a year, it's like, man, I went there a lot. You didn't realize right. it. So yeah, all that adds up and it all helps. So if you guys are doing that too, I'd imagine, you know, in the e-commerce world, you may, might be making trips to the UPS store or whatever to satisfy a customer situation. However you're doing a business. Yeah. Keep track of those little things. I know, you, you know, there's some uh, technicalities to get a log it in a book or, you know, whatever, like try to do it properly instead of just figuring it out at the end of the year and making it up. Um, so that, and then uh, it, it, a common question might be like uh, home office expenses. So mm -hmm. you mentioned a laptop. Well, what's the deal with uh, an office space in your own house that you're using solely for business? I know there's some rules on that and people might not be even aware of that or even uh, considering that when they're, you know, getting their taxes um, kind of prepared and things like that. So what, what are the rules on home office yeah. space or deductions? There, there's a there's a bunch of different rules and it's been litigated a ton by the IRS, but I mean, the basic ones are that the space, the, it has to be regular use. The space has to be used exclusive for the exclusively for the business. So regular exclusive, and it needs to be your primary place of business. So what we'll run into is people want to use, you know, they have a little, they're, they're working out of their living room sometimes and they want to deduct it. Well, that doesn't really pass the test or they've got a primary office, but they use very occasionally use part of their house for the business that doesn't really qualify. So for home-based businesses, that's a little bit easier. Typically assuming you have a, a separate room that you're able to truly dedicate to the business we'll have discussion with clients as to some of the pros and cons of it because on top of being heavily litigated by the irs and the irs having a really good track record of disallowing the deduction which you kind of got a question okay do i want to invite additional scrutiny on all of my stuff from the irs no <laughs> there are some downsides especially if you're a homeowner there can be some 
a tax hit that you take when you sell your house, if you're not careful. So, I mean, I don't know if it's worth getting into all, all the little technicalities of that, but it, it's situational whether or not that's okay. a good idea. So in Sometimes other words, it is. converse with your CPA to figure out yeah. what's best for you, but just be aware that it is a possibility if you're working from home exclusively like many of us are, if you mm-hmm. have that, you know, home office, that there may be an opportunity there for you to claim, you know, deductions on, on that. And, and uh, yeah, I would just partner with the CPA on that because it, it could end up being beneficial. Oh, well, especially if you're in a high cost of living area and especially if you're renting. Again, homeowners, there's some downsides down the line when you get rid of your house, but especially for renters who are living in New York City or the Bay Area, that, that could add up really quickly. Okay. Yeah, I know that's it's just something I kind of wanted to throw out there. I know people, people do think about that. And then, you know, one of the things we were talking about before we jumped on and started recording here, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, Mike, is because you understand the online entrepreneur, the Amazon seller, the Shopify person. Like you kind of get us as far as like what we're doing. And, and um, that to me is really important when it comes to uh, a CPA or just anybody in the bookkeeping world, just you know, for, for us to help us run our businesses. For the simple fact that I was kind of just sharing a story with you that early on when I first started uh, my online ventures years back, I went to, I think it was H&R Block down the street from where I lived. And because I just didn't know, I was just like, well, this is where I've always gone, you know, and they'll, they'll understand what I'm doing. And, and I remember taking my business, you know, all my, my financials there to them. And, and the guy, you know, really great guy, but he just he didn't have any idea what I did for my business, didn't understand it. And he was kind of formatted for old school mentality of business, you know, brick and mortar. And, and he was pretty confused by my line of work. And that kind of really scared me because I was like, well, this guy, he's trying and I hope he does things right. And I was cro- I literally crossed my fingers going, man, like, I don't want this to blow back on me because he didn't understand my business or other things too of like, you know, maybe he doesn't understand the deductions or understand the processes of my business. And that might hurt me financially or might hurt how much I get back or I don't know. I was confused and I was like, okay, that's the last time that I'm ever bringing my business to, you know, a a place like that. So, um, based on that, why would you recommend sellers, people listening right now to work with somebody such as yourself or similar to yourself who actually understand our world? Like what's the big deal there? What's the big, what do they need to know? Like, you know, why is it important, you know, to work with somebody such as yourself versus H&R Block? Well, for any sort of professional, if you're getting a lawyer, an accountant, a consultant, a coach, any sort of person who's advising you, if they don't understand you and you don't, they don't understand how your business works, they can't properly inform you on what their niche is and what their area of expertise is. So if I'm an accountant and I don't understand your business, I cannot properly advise you on your taxes even though I might be broadly a a tax expert, if I don't understand you, I've got no concept of what's going on. So it's going to lead to missed tax deductions, possibly structuring your business incorrectly. It's going to be that they can't give you proper advice because they can't read the financials and they don't know how, how things are going, um, how things are going on. They're, I mean, it's, it's insane to me how often we'll grab Amazon sellers usually, but any e-com sellers who have been with a CPA for several years and everything is trash because 
this CPA was a nice guy. He was a sharp guy, but he did not have any concept of what they were actually doing. Kind of similar to your experience. Okay. And then, um, you know, if I was kind of just getting the ball rolling, maybe my business is starting to grow. Things are going well. Like right now, a lot of Amazon sellers are are seeing huge surges in traffic. Mm -hmm. You know, e-commerce is, it's just exploding right now, given everything that's happening. Um, if I were kind of brand new and starting out as a seller and I know that I want to hire somebody to to kind of do my books and, or to help me structure my business or, you know, get set up with X, Y, or Z, everything that we're talking about here, what questions should they ask if they're interviewing like potential CPAs? Like what things should they be, uh, kind of concerned with, or like essentially like what, what should they want to know from their CPA? I I remember there was an interview with, uh, I think it was Elon Musk years back and he was talking about interviewing employees. And he said in his experience, the more specific you could, you can have people who can BS you and who can act like they know what they're doing when they don't. But if you would ask them not about, okay, what did you do at a high level, but he would ask them how they did it at different points in the process and get more granular and not only the end result, but the beginning, middle ends, intermediate then it would really fall apart if they didn't know what was going on. So I think the more specific you can be and obviously ask them, do you work with people in my industry? How much experience do you have? But try and get, have a, have a list of just some kind of specific industry questions, have a little jargon you throw in there, just have some things that hopefully will give you an idea of if they really know what they're doing and they know how your business works or if they're just kind of, you know, throwing some fluff out there and trying to pretend. Yeah. I would just say, ask them, you know, if you're an e-commerce seller, I would just say, Hey, how many e-commerce sellers have you worked with? Or are you currently working with? And if they say none, then maybe that isn't the right person to work yeah. with. So that, you know, that could be a good starting point, I guess there. And uh, you know, we were also talking to, I guess maybe there are people listening to this that just might want to know this. I'm, I'm just throwing this out there kind of for fun. But uh, the tax cuts that Congress passed in the United States just a few years ago have kind of been uh, the law of the land for a little while now. Um, what, based on what you are seeing, were, were there actually true benefits to these tax cuts that Congress pushed through uh, for entrepreneurs, business owners, things like that? Or was that all fluff that they got behind podiums and promised the world on? Or like, what are you seeing kind of a few years later with these big tax cuts that Trump and everybody else has been touting? If you're making good money, it's huge. For, for any of these things, they kind of present us if it's great, great for everybody. But for the people who are making you know, sort of middle of the road income, you're, you're not seeing a whole lot of benefit. But for people who are high earners in general, and especially for high earning entrepreneurs, the benefits have been massive because uh, there are two main components of what they did for businesses. One was for past, well, one was for C-Corps, corporations that pay, the corporation pays its own tax. And then when the shareholders are paid distributions or dividends, the shareholders pay tax. For them, they slashed the corporate tax rate by like 15, 16% to where it's only 21% now. So, we don't have a lot of clients who are structured that way, but 
it made it a more viable strategy than it used to be. And if you are structured that way, you're seeing this huge 16% drop. For most people, we're taxed as what you call pass-through entities. So sole proprietors, S-corps, partnerships, stuff like that. For those, there's some limitations, but for most people, you're getting a 20% deduction on whatever your business profit is. Okay. And you know, again, there are limitations based on your industry, how much money you're making. So again, I don't want to get too granular, but if you, if you qualify and you're in the, the range where you're getting that, a 20% just kind of bonus deduction, if you're making good money, is huge. So just like everything, the more money you make, the, the more, uh, the, the better things kind of get, you know, the rich get richer yeah. or whatever. So there's a little motivation for everybody to uh, kind of push it and, and uh, get to that next level because there might be some extra advantages tax wise or, or what have you. So yeah, um, I was just kind of curious about all that, all that stuff. Cause I know that was a few years ago since they passed those mm-hmm. tax cuts and things like that. And I know it had to have some sort of an impact on entrepreneurs and online sellers to some degree. And um, so Micah, we've obviously clarified that the key to kind of a lot of this for sellers, for people listening is just to be organized, have some structure and foundation, the sooner the better for everything. Uh, try to get that LLC as early as possible because it'll make things a little bit easier uh, as, as kind of your business evolves. Um, based on kind of that stuff, like what, what other, do you have any other tips or strategies that you could share with the listeners out there that, might, that they might find beneficial in their business? It, it sounds basic, but keeping your accounts and your financials in the forefront of the business and actually to the extent you can being excited about them. And that's what we try to talk to our clients about because everyone hates accounting. It is like statistically everyone's least favorite part of the business. And because of that, it's treated as an obligation. And since it's an obligation, nobody wants to do it. and It gets pushed to the side, but your financials are your business. And if you don't understand your numbers, you don't really understand your business. So if you look at that, not as this obligation, but look at this really kind of, I know it sounds ridiculous, but look at it as cool and realize, wow, this is how my business is working. This is so awesome. This is cool. And you look at all the information it's providing you and that it's helping you plan and that it's helping you operate at a higher level, then the, your business is going to explode. You're, going to, you're not going to miss deductions. You're not going to have cash flow issues as much. You're going to be able to plan. All that stuff is going to propel you to growth if, if you're doing it properly. If you ignore it, then you're, you're stalling your business growth, even though that's not the way people usually view it. Okay. Makes sense. So just treat, it as a, treat the financials and the books and all that as a priority and know that by doing so, you're going to be able to make better business decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll actually see where you're at. You'll see the, you know, the real numbers instead of kind of just closing your eyes and just hoping everything is okay. And, um, you know, you'll be able to, to make better decisions, have more, you know, maybe more capital available to, to, you know, make smarter decisions with marketing or whatever it might be. Um, Micah, this is, this has all been awesome. Um, Really appreciate a lot of this. And I know the listeners do as well. I know you're probably a very tired guy. 
where, where can we find you online if we have further questions? Like what's the yeah. best place that people can get in contact with you for whatever? Yeah, so what we recommend for listeners of this podcast is go to callframe.com. We've set that website up specifically for a case study of some of the tips that we found, some additional kind of guidance and a, a blueprint that we've set up for online sellers and the benefits you can get from that. So for anybody listening to this, I would send them to callframe.com. Call frame. So F R A I M. Yes, sir. Callframe.com. Okay. I will put that in the show notes, guys. You guys know the, the deal on that. Michael also uh, link up your, uh, your books that you have on Amazon in the show notes as well. If you guys are interested in checking those out. So Micah, any last words of wisdom here before we go about our hopefully normal lives here with all this Corona stuff, hopefully ending very soon. I mean, uh, I know you got baby obligations, but any last minute uh, advice here for, for the listener out there trying to try to make it happen. I mean, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and you see people that probably succeed. And then you also see the other side, some people that kind of fail. So, you know, any, obviously everybody wants to succeed. Nobody wants to fail, but any advice that you can maybe throw out there to get somebody fired up to be uh, the best they can be. I mean, work with people who understand you, understand your industry, and surround yourself with the people who are actually succeeding themselves. And again, none of this is earth shattering. That's pretty basic. But the people that we see succeed, their network is of high performers. The people who stall out, you look at the people they're associating with and their their coaches, their consultants, their, their people who are trying to help them. And they're also operating at a pretty low level. So who you surround yourself with is huge. Your network is your net worth, right? <laughs> yep. So very cool. So Micah, this has been awesome. And yeah, thanks I, for having me, man. Yeah, greatly appreciate the time. Hopefully, uh, again, we kind of gave the listeners out there a little bit of know-how to help them kind of with their businesses, talking about a subject that, again, everybody gets a little bit afraid of, a little bit timid of, and it's totally understandable. But I think the, the emphasis here, again, just to recap, is just organization structure and then partnering with people that understand your business, that want to help you succeed, and uh, can help you succeed with their knowledge and uh, setting, setting you up on the right path, essentially. So that way in your world or in our world that we have the tools to do that. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you again. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, man. This has been a blast. Yeah, definitely. Take care. Hey, thanks a lot, Micah. That was awesome. And I'm glad we could link up like that and riff a little bit about taxes and related topics. And to all the listeners out there, I sure hope you guys found that information informative and helpful to your business. Now, as a quick reminder, make sure, if you haven't already, to go to callframe.com to get that free case study. And that it might be a nice companion piece to the, uh, to the episode here. So that's callframe.com. That's C-A-L-L and frame is spelled F-R-A-I-M. So check that out. So what I want to do now, guys, is just to quickly recap some of the key takeaways that I had from our conversation and share them with you guys. So the first key takeaway, numero uno, is uh, get organized as early as possible. So Micah really stressed this. 
Um, you know, things like your, your records, your bookkeeping, all your financial stuff, try to get as organized as early as possible with that. Because if you wait too long, then it just becomes a real pain in the, you know what, to try to get everything together to get kind of up to speed on just your organization. So oftentimes, as Micah said, you may start your e-commerce business or your online business as sort of a side hustle and you don't really treat it as a real business at that point. And maybe down the road, you start to make some money with it and want to go full time with it. And during that whole time, you haven't been organizing anything or really tracking anything you know, uh, properly. So the advice is, even if you're doing it as a side hustle or what have you, get organized as early as possible. If you want to use any software to help out with that, you know, with QuickBooks or uh, Micah kind of said, hey, you could also look into like Zero or A2X, like that combination there, just as some sort of software to help you kind of organize your financials in your business. Um, that is just something that he recommended there. So get organized as early as possible. So takeaway number two, everybody, takeaway number two, Micah suggested that we start our LLC as soon as possible. The sooner, the better. Yes, there are advantages to having that LLC, some protections that we talked about. But as Micah said, it just makes things a lot easier as you are growing your business just to kind of get it out of the way. And it can be done relatively inexpensively to get that LLC filed and created. And it's a really simple thing to do. And touch base with your CPA on that uh, if you have any questions about getting that LLC started and things like that. So transitioning now to takeaway number three, kind of the same thing here. So Micah suggested that at a certain point, once your business becomes profitable and you're making a good amount of money, uh, maybe $100,000 a year, something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing that out there that uh, you consider transitioning your business structure to an S-corp to save yourself some money when it comes to tax filings, okay? So that is uh, just something I wanted to throw out there that as you're growing your business, you're having success, if you wanna save that money on those taxes in, in a lot of cases, uh, transition to that S-corp. Again, uh, talk to your CPA, talk to your, your tax advisor, your professional, whoever it is that you're dealing with to help you with that as far as getting that going and trying to figure out when is the best time for you to, to do that, okay? So I just wanted to cover some bases there for you. And as Micah suggested or said, hey, uh, you really, when it comes to all this stuff, you wanna work with somebody that understands your business, that understands your online business. And uh, you know that I think is really important. So that's kind of just an extra little takeaway that I got from that. Don't just work with any old CPA. Again, make sure they understand what you're doing and how they can be a partner to your success, okay? So that about does it for today's show. I uh, hope you guys got a lot of value and information out of it. And for any links that we mentioned or talk about, check out privatelabelershow.com forward slash 150. And also make sure you subscribe to the show and leave that review. So preferably on iTunes, that would be super cool of you. I'd really appreciate it. And again, if you guys are not yet a member of our Facebook group, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Get joined up. Go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash FB or just simply go to Facebook in that wonderful search bar, type in Amazon FBA and then filter it by groups. And I believe the Amazon FBA group there should be one of the top to uh, get joined up in and uh, just submit, submit your request. And usually about once a day, I will get you, um, get you enrolled in that group. So looking forward to seeing you guys in there. And again, if you have any questions on anything that we talked about, you can link up with Micah. And uh, also if you got any other questions as well, drop those in the Facebook group or comment section, depending upon where you're listening to this episode. 
So that about does it, guys. Go out there, kick some butt, take some names, take some action, go make it happen. I'm rooting for you, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. This episode of The Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.